In regards to this passage of scripture that we're going through, I had immediately thought to myself when I was given this um, section of scripture to cover, how am I going, how am I doing in this area of my life? Am I continuously being filled in the spirit? And does my heart reflect a spirit led of submission for my husband? I couldn't help but think of the one scripture that is that was given to me to memorize in the servant um, teacher's leaders class. And that is from James 3.1. It says, my brethren, not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. It's a powerful verse. And like many in his words, we sh it shouldn't be taken lightly. You see, the Lord had been showing and speaking to me in areas in my role as a wife that needed to change. And I needed the Holy Spirit to help me. You see, I'll ask the Holy Spirit to fill me when I'm becoming upset with my children, when I'm impatient, or when they're not listening. But not asking the Holy Spirit to fill me when I'm called to first ask him to fill me when I'm trying to communicate something with my husband. And whatever it may be, if he doesn't understand, you see, the Lord had spoken to me loud and clearly. He told me, you ask me these things for your children, and why not of your husband? Conviction then flooded my heart, and his grace immediately led me to repentance. And now also, I want to encourage you ladies tonight, for those of you who are not married, and just like then, I wasn't married, <laughs> may it be just that the Lord would use this study if you maybe had answered not applicable to some of the questions, um, that you would just go back and prayerfully consider maybe some of those things that you would have the Lord bring or put forth for your husband. So again, the Lord still wants to use this section of scripture in your life. If the Lord wills one day marriage, but also to share it with others, what a wife is called to and what a husband is. In 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for all doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, there thoroughly furnished, and to good works. Now let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 33. Let's read. It says... Do not be drunk with wine, which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The previous section of scripture that we had covered last week in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17, Paul urges believers to walk wisely, redeeming the time, and to understand what the will of the Lord is. In this week's lesson of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 33, we will find what the will of the Lord is for a believer in regards to the church, the wife, and the husband. There are four points we will be covering in this section of scripture. For those of you taking notes, the first point is titled Spirit Filled, and that's covering verses 18 through 21. The second point is Spirit Led Submission, covering verses 22 through 24. Then we will be covering the third point, Spirit Led Love, covering verses 25 through 29. And lastly, the fourth point, spirit-led unity. Spirit-filled in this portion of scripture for verses 18 through 21, Paul gives us some examples of what it will look like and what it will not look like when we are spirit-filled. A spirit-filled life will not mirror a person's life who is drunk on wine. The NIV reads, which leads to debauchery, and that the New King James says dispensation, which means a form of wasteful living. But I like what the NLT translates because of its simplicity. It says that it will ruin your life. Drunkenness is contrasted, is contrasted with the old man before Christ, before Christ entered the believer. In 1 Corinthians 6.10 reads, Nor thieves, covetous, nor drunkard, rivalrous, probably didn't pronounce that right, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.7, For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, or drunk at night. Be real ladies, who here before Christ got drunk? <laughs> right? Now, if you can remember and look back, what good things came from getting drunk? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
Drunkenness affects your whole body, causing blackouts, dizziness, impaired speech, coordination. It affects your behavioral changes to aggression, agitation, self-destructive behavior, lack of restraint. It affects your mood, anxiety, discontent, loneliness, and the psychological effects cause one to be delirious and exhibit fear. The list goes on and on and on. Scriptures do condemn the abuse of wine. William McDonald writes, wine beco becomes abuse under the following five reasons. So if you're taking notes, write these down. Then it is forbidden. Number one, when it leads to excess, found in Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 35, when it becomes habit form, forming, number two, 1 Corinthians 6, 12b. Number three, when it offends the weak conscience of another believer, Romans 14, verse 13, and 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. Number four, when it hurts a Christian's testimony in the community, and it is therefore not to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31. And number five, when there is any doubt in the Christian's mind about it. Romans 14.23. With all of these passages of scripture, the best wis wisdom a person can give is to abstain from it. When a person is drunk, everyone can tell, right? Right, pretty much. Now let's spiritualize this. Can everyone tell? If you're in the spirit, Paul now directs us from what not to do and points us what we as believers should be filled with and that we are commanded to be filled with the spirit. We then as believers are under the spirit's influence. He fills us with power and direction, zest and permeance and controls a life that should be surrendered to him. A life spirit led is daily, it's moment by moment, hour by hour, and second by second. It's a continuous process. Think of this, you cannot fill a container with water until it's first emptied, emptied of everything. That can be a picture of a believer even three grains of sand in it, with even three grains of sand in it, because now it will be what? Sand and water. That pitcher has to be completely emptied and thoroughly cleaned before being filled with water to be just water. Warren Wiersbe writes, just as drunk is influenced by alcohol, so a believer should be controlled by the spirit. The contrasting differences are the drunk loses self-control, but the spirit gives believers self-control. Galatians 5.23, the drunk and artificial happiness that does not last, while the spirit-filled believer has a deep joy in the Lord. Drunken people do stupid things that hurt others and bring them embarrassment, but the spirit-filled believers help others and live to the glory of God, end quote. Remember the illustration 
of the pitcher of water being filled with before we as believers can be filled with the spirit of God we must be emptied of ourselves the spirit filled life will demonstrate some of these examples Paul shares four of them in verses 19 through 21 they shall speak with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs Number two, they will sing and make music in their hearts to the Lord. Number three, they will have a thankful heart to God for everything. And number four, a heart of submission is, is displayed to one another. May we ask ourselves, do these examples reflect your life, my life? Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Spirit-led worship is evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. David Gusick writes, much of the weakness lethargy in our spiritual lives can be attributed to the fact that we are not constantly being filled with the holy spirit a part being filled is a part i'm sorry a part being filled is a part of verse 21 to submit it's translated in the greek greek hupotasso it's a military term meaning to arrange under to subordinate and subject to oneself. Think of this, to arrange a troop of divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. Now that would happen, now what would happen if there was no submission in military? There would be what? No order, confusion, chaos would erupt, even a weakened military would exist. And this would give opportunity for the enemy to strike. In Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they will watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Submission should take place when we as believers have a fear and reverence for God. Our next point is point number two, covering verses 22 through 24, spirit-led submission. Here we dig into the roles of submission regarding of a, hus of a wife to her husband. And both roles are a larger picture of Christ and the church. We find the same Greek word here that was found in verse 21 for submission, hupotasso. A wife's submission to her husband is one way she can demonstrate her submission to Christ. She is called to submit to her husband even if he is an unbeliever. The only exception when a wife should not submit is pertaining to any sinful act or she is in physical danger. It's her love for the Lord that makes the difference in her submission to her husband. In verse 22, part of the scripture reads in the New King James, as to the Lord 
and the King James Version, Version says, unto the Lord, meaning to whom a person belongs, about which he has power of deciding. So may I ask you, to whom do you belong? Is it to yourself or is it to the Lord? The word definitely, the world definitely has it wrong with the word submission. You see, submission is voluntarily, and it involves a mutual submission. It's volunteering your own personal wants or needs for the sake of your loved husband. God has designed a husband to be the head of the wife found in verse 23. God is the master designer and no other blueprints will meet the code according to 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. The word head is to be described as a leader, ruler, or authority. The husband is then the spiritual head of the family found in scriptures. Just as Christ is head of the church and died for her, so the husband is then the savior. As the savior, he is to love, lead, guide, and as a person, he provides and cares for her. In verse 24 of Ephesians chapter 5, the pattern of the wife to follow is that of the church. Another pattern for the wife is found in Titus 2, 4 through 10. Found in Titus 2, if we can turn there. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to have time. You know, I'm going to have you guys read Titus 2, verses 4 through 10, if we can, on your own time. But um, I want to share this with you, uh, a story. A few weeks back, it was Friday, April 21st, um, I was pretty much finished with everything that I thought I had to do within our house. And um, so someone had offered me a little treat to go to the nail salon. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to go. It's for free. And I was thinking to myself, like, yes, you know, I'm going to go. But I wanted to run things by my husband first. And I thought, of course, yeah, he's going to agree. Why not? You know, it's free. So as I ran it by him and to my display, to you know, to my shock, he didn't think it was a good time because we had stuff to do. And at first I was like, oh, okay, my flesh, you know, my sin, my flesh thought, oh, okay. And then the Lord just started speaking to me, okay, there's reason, you know, so, you know, just settle with that. I'm going to obey. I'm not going to go. As the day went on, it had hit me. I suddenly felt extremely tired. I was thanking the Lord because of my husband's headship now. I saw that the Lord actually led my husband in his response and didn't think it was a good idea for me to go because the Lord knew how tired I was and that I needed my body to physically rest. So praise the Lord. So we're going to move to point three, which is spirit-led love, found in verses 25 through 29. The husband role is to love sacrificially as Christ. The same Greek word love is used for husbands towards the wife. It's the same word used that Christ demonstrates for the church. Agapo or agape. The definition of agape love that I had found on the internet through focus on the family, I really like this. It said 
that this love is unconditional, that it is always giving and impossible to take or be a taker. It diverts total commitment to seek your highest best no matter how or anyone may respond. This form of love is totally selfless and does not change whether the love is given, is returned or not. Now, let's get, I don't want to get us too focused on the husband's role, but that we, may, that, that we would have a better understanding of Christ and Christ's role. Christ's love is giving, it's sacrificing, it's selfless, and it is displayed in action. In Romans 5, 8, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I like that little side note within our homework where it says, God's, God loves the unloving. Christ gave himself. He died so that we might live. We have been sanctified. We have been set apart. We are sacred for his purpose. In John 17, verses 17 through 19, we'll turn there. John chapter 17. Verses 17 through 19 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. A few words in verses 26 through 27 of Ephesians chapter 5, they remind me of a bride who has borrowed her mother's wedding dress and is preparing for her wedding. This dress needs to be taken to the laundry cleaners before the marriage. The words cleanse, washing of water, spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing. To know that every stain will then be removed, it is to be brought to the professional cleaner. You see, Jesus has cleansed us, freed us from the defilement, faults, wickedness, and we are free from the guilt of sin. He has brought out the shout or oxyclean to remove those spots or faults or any blemish. Then the starch which is his blood, is poured on us, and he irons out those wrinkles. And all such things are taken care of, right, by the professional cleaner. In Jude 1, verse 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with the exceeding joy. This is a beautiful, I love this verse found in Song of Songs, verse 4, chapter 4, sorry, verse 7. It says, you are all fair, my love, and there is no spot on you. To know that's how Christ sees us. In Ephesians 5, verse 28, it's depicted of a man who loves himself and should have the same nurture and love towards his wife. A man truly loves oneself due to the fact of his self-preservation. A man would protect himself, feed himself, and care for himself. 
A wife and man are one flesh. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. It's in the beginning of your Bible. And let's read verses 21 through 23. It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Just as no one hates his own flesh, Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. Christ looks after the church by protecting, by feeding, by nourishing, and loving. Husbands are to imitate Christ with the loving endearment for their wife. The last portion of scripture of Ephesians chapter 5 verses 33, verses 30 through 33, we will be covering the fourth and last point, spirit-led unity. The oneness between a husband and wife is a picture of the unity with Christ and his church. We are united to Christ. We are united to Christ's body, making us members of his body, flesh and of his bones. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, it covers us being the body of Christ. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 5 reads, So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In verse 31 of Ephesians 5, it takes us back again to the first origin of marriage. And I hope you're still there in Genesis chapter 2. Because we're going to go over, I'm going to read verse 24. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Here we discover God's plan for marriage, two people becoming one, as though caring for oneself. The man and woman are then joined and are glued to one another closely, permanently, before man and God. In Matthew 19, verse 6 says, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. The picture we see in marriage is like the relationship with Christ and the believers. Within a marriage, there is a bond of love, loyalty, intimacy, and sacrifice. The same is true of our relationship with Christ. I'm going to finish up and close with verse 33 of Ephesians. We see that this should be a delight for all husbands and wives. A husband is to love his own wife as himself in showing her honor and consideration. And a wife is to respect, sorry, a husband is to love his own wife as himself and the wife is to respect her husband. When a wife respects her husband, she is showing honor and consideration to his God-given role. Now, if both spouses were to fulfill these instructions, as we read in Ephesians chapter 5, Satan himself then wouldn't be able to separate them. 
So let's be one spirit filled and have number two, a spirit led submission. And number three, a spirit led love. And number four, led in unity. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just um, thank you so much, Lord, just to being, for being able, Lord, to study your word, Lord, and just to dig deeper, Lord, for myself, Lord. I just pray and just ask tonight, Lord, that um, you would just bring understanding, Lord, to um, your precious daughters, Lord, um, and that we would just continue, Lord, to dig deep, Lord, within your word, Lord, that you would bring clarity to mine, Lord. I just pray and just ask, Lord, that um, you would just be glorified, Lord, that you would just use this time, Lord, to encourage, Lord, and to build up your beautiful daughters, Lord. Thank you again, Lord, and may you just um, be edified, Lord, just with the conversations, Lord, that are going to take place after, Lord, and just any questions, Lord, that um, some of the women, Lord, here in um the women's leadership, Lord, can ask, Lord, if there's anything, Lord, in regards to submission, Lord, or our role as wives, Lord, or maybe they just even know someone, Lord, who's having a hard time with this, Lord, that they would just take the time, Lord, to come up, Lord, and ask for prayer, Lord, because in the end, Lord, all things, Lord, are done unto you, Father, Lord, for your good, Lord, and for your glory, Lord. So thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray.